Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey, Venture Podcasters, uh, thank you for listening to us uh, today. Uh, I am super excited about this new series that we're talking about, uh, which is called What Would Jesus Undo? Uh, I'm your host, Pastor Dan Wills from Bellevue, Nebraska, Chandler Acres Church, and, and I'm so glad you are listening again with us today. So what we're going to talk about uh, over the next four weeks is um, is something on the nature of uh, those WWJD bracelets. Do you guys remember those? Uh, they used to be really popular uh, a few years back, but I want to share with you, uh, I'll tell you kind of where they came from in case you don't know. Uh, it was in 1896. Uh, there was a pastor, and he was from Topeka, Kansas. His name was Charles Sheldon, who wrote a, a book called In His Steps. And this little book went on to sell over 30 million copies. And in the book, this pastor essentially talked about small town living where people would face uh, life situations, uh, all kinds of different people facing all kinds of different situations. And they would ask themselves, in this situation, situation, what would Jesus do? Uh, so a hundred or so years later, there's a movement that's kind of birthed. And then you have these WWJD bracelets. So today's message is, is, is going to ask a question kind of tied to that, uh, but it's a little bit different. Not that, not the one that what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus undo? What are the things that as we look at the red letters in your Bible, those are the words of Jesus. What were the things that really broke his heart, you know, bothered him? It created a real sense of dissatisfaction. What was it that Jesus saw that he could not stand? What would he undo? So over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about four different things. And I want to tell you next week, I'm super excited about that one more so because I'm really looking forward to what God's going to share with you because it's one of my favorite messages and it's probably my favorite of the four, obviously. So to introduce our topic for the day, let me ask you another question. Have any of you ever found a gift uh, for someone that you you were really excited to to give them, and you gave it to them, and they didn't seem to care? That's just the worst ever, right? Uh, I had that happen to me. I I gave a really nice gift to someone, and they just set it aside. And physically, um, the next time I saw them, which was several months later, it was still in the same spot they set it down when I gave it to them. I was devastated. I so wanted to bless them with this special gift, and and they just completely had no regard to what I gave them. They just disregarded this gift and and put it aside. What do you think Jesus feels like when he left heaven and came to earth, sacrificed everything for us, he was tortured, he shed his blood, he, he died, he kicked some devil tail, rose from the dead, gave us his living word, and access to the very throne of of God through prayer. He charged us with a a spiritual mission. He gave us the same power that raised Christ from the dead, 
And we go in day in, day out, not even thinking about him or the gift that he gave us. What would Jesus undo? The first thing I want to talk about in this message series is Jesus would completely undo what I'm going to call spiritual indifference. Okay, I said spiritual indifference. An idea that is not new to our generation, although our generation has been called the meh generation, and that's spelled M-E-H, right? How are you doing today? Meh. What are you excited about? Meh. Are you making a difference in this world? Meh. Do you have spiritual purpose? Meh. They almost sound like a, a goat, like meh, meh, you know, whatever it is, it's the meh generation. Jesus actually wrote seven different letters, and if you've never studied these, they're really powerful letters to seven different churches. And these letters are recorded in the book of Revelation. He wrote to one particular church, and that kind of was like the me-generation, okay? When it came to spiritual ideas, this church was in Laodicea, and this was a pretty powerful little community. And Laodicea had been destroyed by a big earthquake about 35 years prior to this letter. And since then, they had rebuilt it, and they rebuilt it strong. There were stadiums and theaters, and there were these lavish public baths and and shopping malls, and I don't know if necessarily shopping malls, but you literally think of a a modern-day Dubai. That was the hot spot place to be, okay? And the problem with this community, though, is they had bad, uh, inadequate water supply, okay? Which you can imagine the trouble that this would cause. So they built these elaborate aqueducts to, to bring water in from one of two places. One was from Colossae, or from the other, which is Hierapolis, which to me, just kind of a side note, kind of sounds like uh, a place where superheroes are born. You know, Hierapolis. I don't know why I had to say that. I just had to bring it up. But anyway, Colossae was known for its cold water. And cold water had a purpose. It's soothing. It's refreshing. And Hierapolis was known for hot springs. Hot springs are thought of as medicinal. You know, you can take the hot baths and such and and feel better. And they would pipe in this water from these two places. The problem is, by the time the water got to Laodicea, it was no longer cold. It was no longer hot. Now it was dirty. It was tepid. And it was lukewarm. And Jesus wrote into this community about the problem of spiritual indifference. And he used words to to really highlight what he was saying through an issue that they would have understood. So let's look at that. It's Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Here's what it says. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. So what was Jesus saying here? He's saying you are spiritually stale. You are depressingly detached. After what I did for you, what I've called you to do, what I've empowered you with, you don't even seem to care. Here's what I want you to notice. When he said, I'm about to spit you out, the very literal translation is, I want to vomit you. That's what it means. Jesus is saying this, your spiritual indifference, it doesn't just break my heart. It turns my stomach. It makes me sick. After what I did, the fact that you don't seem to care at all, it makes me want to spit you out. 
So how are you doing spiritually? Meh. Jesus would undo spiritual indifference. What I want to do is kind of build a foundation and talk about two causes of spiritual indifferences. From the words of Jesus, there would be many, but I want to just focus on two uh, today. So what causes spiritual indifference in your life and in mine? The first thing is if you're kind of taking notes, what is, is what I call the illusion of self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. This is what Jesus said in the next verse to the Laodiceans. Let's read verse 17. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You don't realize that you think you have what you need, but you're missing what matters most. So often today, quite honestly, when, a, when I'm talking to people well, at a restaurant or, or at the store or, or whenever I run into people or uh, if I'm sitting down with them uh, in, in, a, in a scheduled meeting and, and we're talking to them about spiritual conditions, and so I kind of talk to them about eternity, right? Well, there's this kind of attitude like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. I don't need that. You know, I'm good. I've got, I've got my car. I've got my iPhone. You know, in fact, I just got it upgraded. So, you know, I'm good. You know, I've got my Netflix. I got my Snuggie. I'm good. I've got everything I need. And, and Jesus is saying, you have material stuff, but you are spiritually void. You're full of things in this world, but you're lacking what truly matters. Your life is full of stuff, but it's empty of meaning. So why is it that we're so drawn to the things of this world and the things of this world never ever satisfy? How you doing? I'm good. I've got what I need. You think you have what you need, but you have no idea. You're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. You're full of stuff, but you're spiritually bankrupt. It's the illusion of self-sufficiency. Another cause is, if you're taking notes, is what I would say would be the distractions of this world. The distractions of this world. What causes spiritual indifference? We're just simply distracted. Jesus told a parable about a farmer who was throwing some seed out, and, and some of the seed was starting to take root and to grow. But in Mark 4.19, Jesus said, But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. I mean, let's call it what it is. This is your story for some of you, and this has been my story. You know, I hear the world, I'm challenged, I'm moved, I'm prompted, I'm stirred with something spiritually, and suddenly there starts to be this spiritual life. And then suddenly life just happens. You know, the kids get sick, the car breaks down, someone is in need, one of my kids did something wrong and needs to be disciplined, and and, and then we've got to get them there or here, and, and, and there's bills to pay, and there's dishes to do, and on and on and on and on, and ah, you know, life happens, and it chokes out the word. It's not like we don't care, we just got distracted. So we're looking at Jesus, and then all of this stuff happens, just kind of came in. We got overwhelmed. I still kind of love Jesus. I'm just tired right now. I just want to relax, okay? You know, don't you ever just say you want to 
watch Netflix and chill, right? Self-sufficiency and distractions of this world. So what happens? What do we see much of in the world today? Well, let me just kind of call it as it is again. All over the world today, especially in our part of the world, there are so many people who have a little bit of Jesus, just enough to help them maybe feel good about eternity. You know, I pray and I was baptized when I was a kid, just enough to say, yeah, I'll go to church every now and then. And and that kind of helps me feel better about myself. I'll do something to to help somebody who's in need. Just enough to give them some sense of comfort and security, but, but not so much that it moves us to grieve over our own sinfulness and inspires us to pursue Jesus and, and give him glory every single day. Just enough to make us feel better about ourselves, but not so much that it truly changes us. So, what would Jesus undo? Lukewarm indifference didn't just break his heart, it made him want to vomit. It turned his stomach. It made him sick. So how do we know if we're living with this type of indifference? Just based on experience in almost two decades as a pastor, I put down six indicators of things that I've seen in my life and in the lives of others as well. And we're going to talk about living with lukewarm indifference, right? So the first thing, is how do we know if we're doing it? Number one, we're more concerned with impressing people than living for God. We're more concerned with what everybody else thinks. Am I popular? Do I blend? Do you like my hair? Do you like my shoes? Do you like the music that I listen to? Are we cool? I mean, are we vibing in the same way? Do you like me? We're so obsessed with what people think, we forget about what God thinks. And and Timothy even said this, in the end times, there will be people who are lovers of themselves. We live in the selfie generation. It's all about one's self. And Jesus said this, he said, woe to you when all people speak well of you. If we're so concerned with what people think about us, we can never ever be living completely for what God thinks about us. Number two, we're obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity in heaven. It's all about what we can get now. You know, things, 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 things. And the problem is, Scripture says, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Number three, we rationalize sin and we live without truly fearing God. We rationalize sin. In our culture, we rename it to make it something not as bad, right? It's, it's not adultery. It's an affair. It's not pornography. It's adult entertainment. We give it a better name. And we tell ourselves, I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as everybody else because you're just bad at one little thing. And, and who are you to judge me? You've got your own issues anyway. We rationalize our sin without truly fearing God. Number four. We believe in Jesus, but we rarely share our faith. We believe in him, but if we already have him, we're okay. And so we really don't need to invite other people to know his goodness. So why is it that we often don't share our faith? I would be convinced it's because we don't really believe the gospel's true. Because if we really believe that people without Christ are destined for a place in eternity, a very real place called hell, and if we love people at all and believed in this, then we would let our light shine all the time. But yet, we live with this spiritual indifference. Number five, 
We only turn to God when we need him. Rather than seeking him daily, we seek him when he benefits us. He's a tool in our toolbox, not a God that we worship and fear. You know, oh, bad day, bad day, bad day. God, come help me. Help me now, you know. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for helping me. Now back on my my shelf and put in my toolbox and be ready to go. Now I'm back to regular life. Oh, everything's going good. Oh, no, somebody's sick. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, help me, help me, help me. And help, and he helps us, and, and then we put him back on the shelf again. Number six, ultimately we end up recognizing that we're not much different from the world. What do we do? We're entertained the way everybody else is entertained. We, we watch the same movies, whether they're pleasing to God or full of filth. We listen to the same music. We spend our money essentially in the same way. We raise our kids according to the same values, then spend our life doing the very same things, and yet we're not much different from this world. What are we? Without even knowing it, without ever intending it, one day we wake up and realize we are more spiritually indifferent. Life just kind of chokes out the passion. And some of you, you're going to wake up and realize after who he is and, and what he's done, you've been living with spiritual indifference. You're not cold. There's a purpose for that. And you're not hot. You're not passionate. There's a purpose for that. You're just kind of, meh. Want to go to church today? Meh. Those of you that stay home because it's too cold, meh. You want to be a part of a life group? You know, biblical community? Meh. You want to use the gifts that God has given you to bless people? Eh. Do you want to be generous for this this world and and use what you have to be a blessing to someone else? Eh. You want to lead someone to Christ? Eh. And this attitude doesn't just break his heart. It turns his stomach. He says, I want to vomit you out. What would Jesus undo? He would undo spiritual indifference. After what he gave to us, the gift, we put it aside and just leave it there. For those of you that recognize you are a follower of Christ and yet you become more spiritually indifferent, what do you do to reignite the fire? What do you do to consistently live with passion for Jesus? Because let's be honest, life just happens. We don't mean it to, but we just do and it just chokes it out. So let me tell you what I would normally tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what I would tell you, what I'm going to tell you, okay? I know that doesn't make sense, but <laughs> here's what it is. Normally I would tell you, this would be some good advice, and, and, I, and I'll give you, uh, I'm going to give you a kind of a list of, of things to do to help the passion, and this is good advice, it really is. So listen up, here's what it is. Spend time in God's Word. It's His living Word. You know, talk to Him daily in prayer. Fellowship with Him. Don't just talk, but Listen. Share your faith with people who are lost, you know. Fellowship with other believers. Pray for each other that you may be strengthened. Worship God daily as just a part of who you are, an overflow of your heart, you know. Turn from your sin. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of something displeasing to God, confess that before God. Turn away from it and pursue Jesus in passion and righteousness. Now, those are all good things, right? The problem is, if I give you all those things, you're overwhelmed. You're not going to do anything at all. And so, what I want to do is tell you what I've been trying to do. It's one simple thing. And this is one of the most revolutionary thoughts that I can give you. 
In fact, I would almost say this early in the year that this may be the best piece of advice that I could give you in all 52 weekends of this year. If you don't do this, then it may go downhill from here. What is the one thing you can do to reignite the spiritual fire? So if you're taking notes, okay, this is what I want you to write down. Every day, do something that requires faith. Every day, every single day, do something that requires faith. Every day, let the Spirit of God lead you to do something that you cannot do on your own. Something that requires faith. Well, what might that be? Maybe you're going to stand up for someone that others are making fun of, even though you don't know what they're going to think of you. But you just go ahead and do it, even if you're going to be mocked. Maybe you give a gift to someone that stretches you out of your comfort zone because you really could use that, or you could sell it. But you just go ahead and be obedient and be a blessing to someone, and that takes faith, right? Maybe you apologize to someone that hurts you, knowing that, that they may not receive it well. Or, or maybe you choose to forgive someone that hurts you, even though they didn't deserve forgiveness and they haven't asked for it. Maybe for some of you, it's that you actually take a, a step this week, you know, in your own church or, or wherever it might be. And maybe you sign up for their life group or, or take part in a, a Sunday school class and see what God might do through your life. If you're available to minister to others and let them minister to you. Maybe it's as simple as you volunteer to pray out loud at that life group or Sunday school. Even though you're terrified to pray out loud. See, it takes a step of faith. You can start little. Maybe it's to reach out to someone that God puts on your heart. Someone without the life of Christ and very simply show them who Jesus is. Maybe it's you expose yourself to something that breaks your heart and, and makes you righteously angry on behalf of the things of God. Maybe you pray for something that is absolutely impossible by, by, by man, but perhaps possible by God. Or you attempt something that on your own you could never ever do it, but you need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to help anything meaningful to come out of that. Why does this matter? Because scripture teaches us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. If we are not living by faith, we cannot please God. And James said, faith without works is, is dead. Dead. D-E-A-D. Dead. Christ is life and faith brings life. When we're living by faith, what tends to happen? Instead of being consumed with what people think about us, all of a sudden we are consumed with what God thinks about us. When we're living by faith, suddenly we're living for what lasts, not for what does not last. Instead of rationalizing sins, what do we do? We confess them before God. His Spirit purifies us from all unrighteousness. And suddenly we're bold in spirit. People are amazed by our spiritual boldness. Suddenly we're not just turning to God whenever we need him, but we're turning to him every moment of every day because we must abide within the vine that strengthens us. And then one day we wake up and realize we're different. We're different. We haven't been conformed to the image of this world, but we've been transformed. It's not that we're lukewarm, but we wake up with a purpose. Now, believe me, this isn't the easy way. Not at all. It's easier not to care. But let me tell you what. It's so much better to hurt with a purpose than it is to exist without one. So, what would Jesus undo? He would undo spiritual indifference. 
He would say, I wish you were one or I wish you were the other, but because you don't really care about what I did for you, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Spiritual indifference doesn't just break his heart, it turns his stomach. So what do we do? Very simply, every day, at least one thing that requires faith. Thanks for listening in to Venture Podcast today. I'm hoping you'll join us next week as we continue to ask the question, what would Jesus undo? I'm looking forward to talking to you then. If you want to find more information about Chandler Acres, visit www.chandleracreschurch.com.